0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. Happy to be back with you guys after a two-week lull. Last week, we were in Mobile and at the Senior Bowl. All of the pre-draft All-Star events are completed. Tropical Bowl, Hula Bowl, NFLPA, East-West Shrine. That was out in Vegas. And then this past week, I was in Mobile at the Reese's Senior Bowl, the premier All-Star event for draft-eligible seniors. In this upcoming draft, in every single year, over 100 players have been drafted from the Senior Bowl in the last two years. And looking at this year's crop, seeing them up close and personal, I wanted to kind of take a dive into this episode and provide you guys my thoughts on specifically the offensive line, linebackers, and corners that I was able to watch up close and personal this week down there in Mobile. So I want to get right into it, even though this is C- Super Bowl week. We've got Kansas City and Philadelphia out in Arizona on Sunday. We're focusing on the draft. We're focusing on free agency and the upcoming 2023 Washington Commanders campaign. Going to be some new faces on either side of the ball. Washington, again, they, they talked about it in prior episodes. Drafted handful of guys last year from the Senior Bowl. Sam Howell, Chris Paul, Cole Turner, Brian Robinson, Phil Mathis, where 2023 is going to be his redshirt freshman campaign, if you will, after suffering a season-ending injury in that week one matchup against the Jaguars this past year. So let's jump right in. I want to start with the big boys up front. And first things first with the Senior Bowl, last year was, every single practice was, it was physical. The Lions controlled a squad, the New York Jets coaching staff controlled the squad. We didn't have that this year. There's a lot of mishmash kind of positional groups. We saw Ryan Kerrigan work with the DNs. We saw assistant RBs coach in Washington, Jennifer King, work with the RBs on the national team side. So there was a kind of mishmash of staff members from all across the country and college coaches as well working with each positional group. And for me, I wanted to see more contact. They didn't go live at all during the week. What I mean by that, there was no live tackling in full team drills. The only time we really saw pads crack. Was wide receiver versus DBs. And O-line versus D-line one-on-ones. That's really it. And then you got some action obviously in the game. Where you got to see some pop a little bit. But overall. You still got a, I I still got a good look. And a good glimpse of these guys. Up close and personal. After watching tape. For the last few months during their fall season. But again. I want to start up front. With the linemen. And someone that stood out to me. This whole week and really throughout this whole process was left guard Steve Avila from TCU. Just someone that is consistently not moved off his spot. And when you go down to the week this week and and trying to see him against the best competition possible in this draft class. Just extremely cerebral athlete as well. Someone that will come into a locker room and just fit right away. Big, strong, just fits the body of a mauler you want in the interior. Is he going to be one of the most athletic guards in the NFL? Absolutely not. But you watch him in pass pro, you look at that TCU offense where they want to sling the ball around. He has not moved off his anchor in pass pro. You ask him to seal guys and displace defenders in the run, he can do that for you. He uses his length extremely well. But all of his power, you look how thick he is in the torso and into his lower half. And when he anchors those cleats in the ground, he's extremely powerful and able to move guys off their spot. Am I going to ask him to pull and do all these different things in space? Probably not. But if Washington wants to run the ball 25 plus times a game, like we've heard over these last few weeks, Martin Mayhew was down in Mobile. These are the types of guys that you'd need along your front five. Andrew Norwell Played left guard all year long. Right guard, we saw so many different bodies come in. Trey Turner, Sadiq Charles, Wes Schweitzer, all these different guys got snaps at right guard. Sam Cosme, all these names kind of went on and on and on. They need to figure out what they're doing along the front five, and it starts within that interior three. Your left guard, your center, and your right guard. Because if you're going to have a rookie, as far as... Obviously, Sam Howell's not going to be a rookie. He's going to be a second year next year. But a basically rookie season under center, his first full campaign as a starter. You're going to need guys up front that can keep your new shiny toy upright. So, Steve Avila was a huge standout for me. John Michael Schmitz, potentially the top center in the class from Minnesota. Again, not as athletic as a guy that we saw come out last year in Tyler Linderbaum that was now with the Baltimore Ravens, not remotely close from an athletic perspective, but do you ever go wrong with big boys from the big 10 up front? And John Michael Schmitz, again, another guy that I was able to get to know this week, hung out and spend a lot of time with us at the draft network and our spot that we were at in mobile, just extremely impressive young man. And then you watch him put the helmet on and you watch him strap up and you watch him just dominate dudes up front. He is so technically refined again, not gonna I don't think he's gonna be able to push guys three four yards off the ball like we want to see sometimes being those road graders in the in the in the ground game but then he asks him in pass pro he's not I didn't see him get moved maybe two inches max off of his spot in pass pro it didn't matter if he was facing a 290 pound interior lineman or a 315 320 pound guy like Gerard Clark from Coastal Carolina it didn't not matter for John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, one of the top interior linemen in this class. And I would not be surprised if, come round one, we move into that 17 to 25 range, where Washington sits at 16 right now, and John Michael Schmitz comes off the board. He's going to play center. So what do you do with Chase Roulier? Do you want to go younger and get a guy on a younger contract? Now, you don't want to start three or four rookie linemen on your front five, but you need guys that are going to make some competition. And if you draft the center in round one, he's going to be playing from day one. So John Michael Schmitz from the University of Minnesota was absolutely fantastic this week alongside Steve Avila. I can go on and on with, with other guys that I was really impressed on, but I want to get to the corners room. Because this is really where, when I look at Martin Mayhew and I look at Marty Herney and Ron Rivera and where they focus their attention it, it was corners and offensive line this week. Every time there were one-on-ones, one of the two was at that spot. It wasn't with the linebackers, it wasn't with the quarterbacks, it wasn't with the running backs picking up linebackers and pass bro. They were with the linemen and they're with the corners. So with those two spots, those are those we know those are the biggest holes in this Washington roster. You gotta plug, you gotta be able to cover, and you gotta be able to keep guys upright. You gotta keep Sam Howell on his feet to reach the performance ceiling of this offense. So at the in the corners room for me, the guy that stood out the most, Darius Rush, corner from South Carolina, a former wide receiver convert. The his instincts just pop off the page. He fits the script. 6'1", nearly thirty three inch arms, long, disruptive. Technically and fundamentally, he's got a long way to go for me. Um, but just the instincts when he was beat. I mean, remember a time where he was beat on a quick slant route, turned around. But he understands. The leverage of what receivers work with, when quarterbacks are getting the ball out. Why? Because he has a background as a high-level receiver. Just consistently making plays at the catch point, had multiple picks and practices, whether it's one-on-ones, seven-on-sevens. He's everywhere. And it's just a ball magnet. And there's just something to be said about a guy that has the instincts to consistently be able to make plays on the football. Am I expecting him potentially, if Washington takes him in April, to come in and be a high level CB1 or CB2? Probably not. I don't think he's a CB1. Washington needs that. But if you're looking into late day two, that's the target range right now for a guy like Darius Rush. And he may go even earlier because, like I said, he's 6'1 with nearly 33-inch arms and was just a ball hawk all week long. Again, not perfect. But Washington right now like to run a lot of zone. A bigger guy, working downhill, long arms, making plays in the football. That's a guy that fits. Darius Rush fits that script if Jack Del Rio were to be interested with him. So right now you're moving in 2023. Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Just on one side. Then your CB3 is Darius Rush. I can get into that a little bit. I think you need an upgrade. I do think they need a CB1. But if they need more depth, which you need in this league, and which you need within the NFC East... I would not be shocked or surprised or mad at all if Darius Rush were to be a guy that they were to use a pick on because we want to see what they do in free agency. From things that I have heard, Washington's going to be interested in some guys in free agency up front. Specifically, I'm not going to go into that right now. You can find out more on that specific info. You follow me on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler. But that's kind of another... Another, we'll talk about that another time as far as free agency targets on offense and defense, but you look at the young guys right now, you need players to come in and have an impact. That's what Ron Rivera did last year. All, every single pick, except for Chris Paul, had an impact in year one. You need guys to come in. When you have a roster, three straight years of 500 football, you got to get guys in the building that have an impact from day one. You don't have the luxury of sitting them for a year. Right? I mean, Sam Howell, yeah, it's different. It's a quarterback position, right? It's just different. But you need guys to come in and compete. And not just compete, but produce. And you got guys in the Senior Bowl every single year. We see guys from the Senior Bowl come into the NFL in year one and have a lot of success. Tariq Woolen, fifth rounder by the Seahawks. The only people that thought he was a fifth rounder were the people in the NFL. This guy was a first round, early second round talent at worst. Now he's an NFL Defensive Player of the Year favorite. Rookie Defense of the Year favorite, excuse me, with Seattle. He was at the Senior Bowl last year. 6'4", 4'2", four, four, runner, jump out of the gym, former wide receiver convert. Right? All those things align. In Mobile, this is, their motto is, draft starts in Mobile. Well, every single year you get guys that are potentially going to be in Canton 10, 15 years down the road. That's the type of ball players that are down in Mobile. Jamie Robinson, the safety from Florida State now, Do I think Washington's going to add safeties in this draft? I don't. The safeties room is deep as we know it, right? Bobby McCain, Cam Curl, drafted Derek Forrest and Percy Butler over the last few years. The names go on and on and on, right? But you look at Jamie Robinson, and I just want to speak to his physicality and willingness to just consistently disrupt timing. It doesn't matter if he's working against receivers or tight ends, constantly just disrupting timing. He's not the biggest guy in the world, not even six foot tall but willing to tackle and just a flat-out dog on the outside. Similar to what I saw from Tyreek Stevenson, the corner from Miami that will play safety in the NFL. He'll probably gain about 5-10 pounds. A dog on the outside, flashed all week long, competed in two practices, and then played in the game. I was glad to see him compete because there are 40-plus opt-outs with the game on Saturday down in Mobile. It's just a lot of things that obviously go into agents and do you want to get hurt? Do you not want to get hurt? Right, we saw Dewan Jones, offensive tackle from Ohio State, have a heck of a first practice. Didn't practice the rest of the week. Didn't play the game on Saturday. He stayed for interviews, which I respect. But a lot of things go into: are you playing? Are you not playing? Have you had a great day? Don't need to show anymore. They have the tape. They saw what you did here against the best competition. So many different things, criteria goes into why players are there. Not playing, playing. Look at the receiver's room. Tank Dell had a hell of a week. Receiver from Houston, about 5'8 at most. Could not be covered. Extremely smooth and fluid route runner. He made himself a ton of money. Didn't play the game on Saturday. Rasheed Rice, receiver from SMU, didn't play in the game on Saturday. Had some. I want to see more from him during the week. I really did. Separation was an issue for him consistently. That's the biggest transition from college to the NFL. Are you able to separate no matter what type of route you're running? He had trouble with that this week, but... I want to stick with the defensive side of the ball with the corners. I talked about Darius Rush. I even liked what I saw from um, Jacorian Bennett, UM, University of Maryland corner. You guys, I'm sure, are familiar with him. Him and Deontay Banks are going to be two guys that are drafted this year in that Maryland secondary. I thought he was everywhere. Had a pick in the, in the late portions of that ball game on Saturday. But what I valued most about Jacorian this week was his attention to detail and to be coached up. Whether it was in the DB's room, whether it was in special teams work, relaying calls to guys on the outside. So many things that he did intangibly that is going to make him reach his performance ceiling quick as a football player. Because the talent is there. Willing to tackle, was smooth in coverage. He mirrors his eyes with his feet, physical with his hands. All of that was there this week, just like we saw on tape for Maryland. Then you come down and you see him working with coaches and working on special teams. Where some guys just say, ah, oh, I'm on special teams? Like, I guess I'm not relevant, right? But on special teams, for a lot of guys, it earns your way to snaps on defense or on offense sometimes. And for Ja'Korian, just the attention to detail. He's very detail-oriented. I respected that a lot about his game. And that's something that I'm taking with me as I move forward into April is how detailed he was in everything that he did from positional drills to one-on-ones, seven-on-seven to full team drills and the game. Everything Jacorian Bennett did was extremely detailed and you could tell about that how you could tell that in his approach to how he plays the corner position. Um, I want to go back to the offensive line. Speaking of Maryland guys, Jalen Duncan from Maryland can play left tackle, play right tackle. Uh, I got to know him a lot this week and who the man was behind the face mask, because this is someone coming into this year was looked upon as OT one for a lot of people, extremely athletic for his size. But at times this year, you look at the Ohio state tape, it was not good against his best competition. He flat out wasn't good. Then he comes down to the senior bowl in the run game in pass pro. You see how well he moves for a man of his size. And it was just, it was a joy to watch using his length, driving people off the ball then you ask him to work out in screens and get out in space. He can do that as well. Just an elite athlete. And I don't think there's going to be a tackle in this class that's fundamentally more athletic than Jalen Duncan. It's just about putting it together. It really is. Just a a charismatic individual from the DMV. He went to St. Francis Academy. I was talking to him. He's a big Wizards guy. Bradley Beal his favorite Wizards player. You know, this just... Fits the D.C. mold, right? St. Francis to Maryland to Washington. You know, that that may be a fit there. And they need tackle help. And like I said, all week long, when these big boys are going at it, who's front and center? It was Martin Mayhew. So we know that offensive line is going to be a huge target of Washington in this offseason. And you look at tackle, and right now you got Charles Leno at left tackle and some sort of rotation of Sam Cosme and Cornelius Lucas at right tackle. That has to be figured out. Cosme's going into year three. Charles Leno's been in this league for a long time. And are you going to want to put him out there again at left tackle and ask him to protect Sam Howell's blindside? I don't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think there's an upgrade that needs to be there. He's been average to above average at times. But you got to get fresh legs in the front five, especially dealing with the edge rushers that this team deals with. Six times a year. And then DeMarcus Lawrences, the Micah Parsons, all the names that the Eagles have. And then it look like you look at Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Odilari in New York. The names go on and on and on. And these teams are going to continue to add guys that can push the pocket. So Jalen Duncan was a standout for me in the tackle room. I even liked what I saw. Smaller school guy, Nick Saldaveri from ODU. I know some of you out there may be an ODU Monarch alum down there in Norfolk in the 757. He got work everywhere this week center, guard, tackle. I loved what I saw from him. And you look at him as a guy that's going to be most likely a day three guy, potentially a swing guy, right? You draft him and he can play in multiple positions, wear multiple hats for you. The whole Keith Ishmael experience over these last few years, drafting him out of San Diego State a couple years ago, that was the initial plan to be a depth guy behind Chase Rullier. That He's not there anymore. That's just, it's just not there, right? So. For a guy like Sal Devery that has played all five positions along the front five, and then you come in this week and just say, hey, let's get some work at center. He's a big boy. Usually you don't want guys 6'5, six, 6'6 six, six playing center because of how you have to play with leverage, right? You're sinking your hips down at every single snap. You're not standing up in that two-point stance and kickstepping. You're within the interior and you have to play with a lot of leverage. And he did that really well. He got some snaps in the game. I loved what I saw from Sal Devere within the interior. Maybe they want to bump him inside because he doesn't have the athletic uh, fundamentals to counter these speed rushers that the NFL deploys. But I like what I saw from Nick Sal Someone, again, smaller school guy. Everybody wanted to see how he was going to work against better competition. We worked at tackle and slid into center. Two very different positions. I thought he did really well. Two other guys that I thought stood out to me as well. Two guys from Michigan. Offensive tackle Ryan Hayes. Had his ups and downs in the week, but big physical dude. That, I just, I mean, it might be, when you think back to the days of John Jansen, I think a lot of you guys remember that name way back, right, in the 2000s, just, John Jansen was absolutely fantastic, but just looking at how Ryan Hayes wins, just was able to speak to him after practice multiple times, just a guy that wants to win every single rep and throw guys in the dirt, I thought he had was extremely well, Olasegun Oluwatini was from Michigan, another center, but I think he has some guard versatility if you need it, didn't see him lose a rep all week long, from what I saw, just stout, right? You look at the lower half, everything stems from your lower half and footwork and using your hands and, and winning with leverage, and he was consistently able to do that. I look at uh, a guy, Cody Mock, from North Dakota State. Again, none of the small school guy that is, is projected to go early, early second round. I have an early day two grade on him, and us at TDN is a guy that's going to go early round two, and I thought he was good. I don't think he had his trouble. I think he had some troubles a little bit during the week. Ups and downs, right? This is this is nothing to be perfect. You go out here and be dominant. Sure, you're going to raise your stock. But usually, you have some ups and downs with the talent that you face. And for him coming from North Dakota State, where he's throwing guys around, comes here, plays guard, plays tackle. He's not used to playing on the right side. He played on the right side during the game. McClendon Curtis from UT Chattanooga had one rep at right red tackle, red tackle against Allie Gay from LSU got completely embarrassed where do they say, okay, Cody, slide out to right tackle. And what does he do? Does a fine job after playing on the left side his entire North Dakota State career. Those and those are things in the middle of a game being thrown to a fire that says, hey, he could do this for us in a pinch or if we need him to start moving down the line. Left tackle, right tackle, right tackle, left tackle. Very different positions, but you see someone that can produce at a lot of spots, obviously raises their stock a little bit. Staying with guys along the front five, Darnell Wright, Offensive tackle from Tennessee, a guy that I talked to you guys already a bunch about, I and mean, we'll get more into his game as they move forward down the line. But at times, he was just overwhelmingly dominant. And what I loved about it was every single day, he showed up and competed, and he competes in the game. And I want guys that compete every single day. Every single chance that you have a, a chance and reps to prove yourself, Darnell Wright, watching him work, you watch again in and, and the game, a rep against Yaya Diaby, an edge rusher from Louisville. Just snatch his hands and put him in the dirt a second into the rep. It just shows you the potential of Darnell on the outside. Is he the most clean, technically refined tackle in this class? No. But you watch him move with his lower half. You watch his strength in the run game. You watch his ability to move and get to the outside. It just pops off the page. And again, someone that you watch him in Mobile, I wouldn't be surprised he goes late day one. But right now, that early day two target, I've been talking about a long time for Washington. When they come back on the board... Darnell Wright for me. If they don't go tackle or offensive line in the first round, which we will see, they're probably gonna have to move up to get one of their top tackles on the board. But Darnell, you know, he made himself some money this week, which makes it interesting for Washington because again, offensive line's a priority. A guy like this, a riser in this class, I would. <laughs> Darnell's a guy that I just I have bolded, I have circled, I have highlighted as a name that I would love to plug and play along this Washington front five and seeing him in Mobile was just absolutely fantastic and, and certified everything that I've seen him at Tennessee. I saw it in mobile, just a clean prospect, extremely high ceiling and extremely high floor. That's something that you don't have often with prospects to have that combination. I, I just, I love what I saw from Darnell, right? Again, offensive tackle from Tennessee. And I, I really can't say more about him. I wanted to jump over to the DB room real quick again, because I forgot about a name and I, I can't believe I forgot about him. Um, Julius Brents from Kansas State. Uh, I posted a picture on Twitter just how long he is. You look at Montez Sweat as a defensive end, and you see his arms down to the guy's knees. Julius Brents, extremely long and physical player. I thought he did well in one-on-ones. He wasn't picked on in seven-on-sevens. He wasn't picked on during the game. Someone that, again, a corner that's willing to tackle with that big frame. Um, is he perfect on the outside? No, I think. But a zone scheme would work for him well, just depending on how long he is. I would like to see more foot quickness, the ability to flip his hips and run. But he's got long strides, able to pick up ground. Again, he was a former transfer from Iowa, coming into Kansas State. You watch him in that Big 12 title game against Quentin Johnson. You, you can ask anybody and say, "Oh, yeah, he kind of took his lumps against Quentin Johnson." Yeah, Quinn's the first uh, day one guy, but I like guys that are battle tested, and Julius Brents was battle tested during his time. At Kansas State and seeing him live, him vibe with other guys, coaches, was able to speak with him multiple times, just how cerebral, again, he is as an athlete, understanding the position, understanding leverage, the differences between zone and man, what he's asked as a corner, passing off guys, understanding just what to do on the outside. Love what I saw from Julius Brents out of Kansas State, but I wanted to move into linebackers room, and I think this was a group coming into this week and really in this draft where we needed clarity. Who the hell's going to be LB1 in this class? Is it Henry Toto from Alabama? Is it Noah Sewell from Oregon? Is it Drew Sanders who plays edge and that stacked linebacker spot from Arkansas? The guys that I saw this week really impressed, and I think the first name is Aubrey Miller Jr. from Jackson State. You can keep your size concerns, by no means is he small, but he's not 6'2", 6'3", kind of fits the frame of an NFL Middle linebacker. But I saw him fly around all week long. Guys were calling him OG. Unk, right? He's just an older prospect in this class, but fly around. Anywhere he got a chance to hit somebody or be somewhere to make a play, he was. You look at that first play of the Senior Bowl. Northwestern running back Evan Hull breaks a run. Turns back inside. Who rocks him? Aubrey Miller Jr. tracking 30 yards downfield. Letting him know, first play of the game. I'm here at the second level. He's going to be an immediate boost to whatever linebacker's room that he's in. I I, I loved watching him work. Special teams, defense, on the sideline, hyping people up. It didn't matter. The energy and physicality and confidence that he brought at the second level all week long, communicating to safeties, communicating to the front four, was absolutely fantastic. And him as a guy from Jackson State, again, from the SWAC, HBCU, smaller school guy, to come out, there this week and play like he did showed what he had on tape there in mobile live in such a a neutral environment but against the best competition in this draft class senior eligible was absolutely fantastic another name was linebacker Marte mapu sacramento state came over from the nfl pa bowl did not play in the game did not play in thursday's practice competed on wednesday we're seeing him live man just athletic, athletic, athletic. Washington, we know, loves athletes on the defensive side of the ball. That has been the M.O. for Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera since they've been in Washington. And watching Walton Mapu run around all over the place, sideline to sideline, making plays in the run game. You know, what remains to be seen. Jamin Davis, we're going into year three. Were their steps made in year two? Yeah. Cole Holcomb basically missed the entire year. But you need some more depth at linebacker. I'm tired of seeing. Now, I don't want to see John Bostic a ton. I don't want to see David Mayo. Khalid Hudson, what do you actually have with him? You know, he got some snaps at the back end of the year, started that game against Dallas at the second level, but he hasn't really earned snaps, right? When those guys are healthy, when Holcomb's playing, when Bostick is playing this year, they need more depth. They need more pop at the second level. This is a consistent lack that they've had for a long time. And you need players that can compete and produce at the second level. A lot of the top defenses in the NFL have athletes and just flat-out dudes that get after people in the run and can flip their hips, drop in coverage over a tight end, or run with a running back in the flat on, the def- on these top defenses in the NFL. Marte Mapu, Sacramento State. You look at the helmet decal and say, who the hell is that guy? Turn on the tape, and you watch him in NFLPA, and then come into the Senior Bowl, and being a standout this week, open eyes. Open my eyes. There's someone that I was decently familiar with heading into the week. But watching him live and watching him move in person is different. The eye test, film is something else, but the eye test, the old eye test, so watching him run around is a name that I have in the back of my head. If Washington were to take a flyer on him, moving into, I mean, right now, from what I've heard around the league, he could be a a late day two guy, early, early, early day three guy. I don't think he lasts until early day three. Watching him move at the size that he does and what he offers at the second level, because I would not be surprised If he was a guy that teams want to ask him to drop back into coverage as a safety at times because he moves extremely well. And he's able to allow coordinators to be exotic in what they want to do at every single level of the defense. So, again, that's Marte Mapu, M-A-R-T-E-M-A-P-U, from Sacramento State, was a standout from the linebacker spot this week. And two other names, Servasie Dennis from Pittsburgh and... D. De- Winters, excuse me, from TCU, watching D. in the CFP semifinal against Michigan and in the final against Georgia, flying around, loved his game as that weak side linebacker in that 3-3-5 stack that TCU ran. He was everywhere. Savarcia Dennis flew around, he looks the part, physical downhill linebacker, again, going to be a day three guy, but just someone that, again, runs everywhere, it can make plays sideline to sideline, he's going to be a special teams core guy from day one. These are athletes at the second level, and I, I was, I've been really unimpressed with the linebacker group heading into these, obviously, the combine and pro days and then April's draft, but I feel like I got some clarity and some good ball players this week that was able to see up close and personal in Mobile. So those are my standouts for the Senior Bowl. Again, Washington tailored with offensive linemen, DBs, and linebackers, the core spots where we're going to add guys this year. So I hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, please leave a like, review, share, subscribe. I'm on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler, if you don't follow me already. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. I will have a podcast out for you guys next Monday recapping Washington's defense. Two weeks ago, if you missed it, I had an episode out recapping Washington's offense. Every single positional group, guys, that competed. I don't care if you got one snap or a thousand snaps. I was went into each positional group and talked about each guy about pros and cons, expectations for rookies heading into year two, some of the veterans that may be back, may not be back. I'm going to do the same thing for the defensive side of the ball next Monday. So as always, always appreciate your guys' time. Hope everything is well with everyone as we move forward into hopefully... Spring comes sooner rather than later. I know it's been a little chilly outside. I'm ready for the warm weather. I'm ready for football here. I know it's talking about next fall, but I'm excited for rookie mini camps and and training camp. I know that's a little bit of ways away, but as we get closer to the draft and we start talking about roster building, we talk about free agency as well and players that Washington are interested in. The best part of the offseason is these pre-draft events and the combine and pro days, and seeing these guys live this week in Mobile, there was a lot to like, and seeing Martin Mayhew, his attention to the front four, or excuse me, the front five, and the trenches, and linebackers, and DBs, and their focus there, a lot of good ball players that I hope Washington was able to sit back and say, hey, here are some ball players that we can get in our room, and improve, and add them into our defense, and into our offense, and raise the ceiling Of each unit. So, as always, appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, I'll have an episode out for you on Monday, next Monday, recapping Washington's defense from 2022. We'll go from the front four all the way back to the back seven. So, always appreciate it. I will talk to you on Monday. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe.